Hello, 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 everyone out there. Hopefully everyone's staying safe. And uh, we're almost through this uh, nightmarish COVID thing, I think. Probably a few more months, really? three, four more months. Are we? Are we, well, are we uh, almost soon? Well, let's, let's, let's hope. I, I've got a lot of friends. Optimistic who, thing no, I've I got heard. a lot of friends who've already gotten their, sh uh, you know, their first shot. So okay. uh, we will see. Um, uh, before we get to our guest, let me introduce Taro Koki. Uh, the man uh, behind GT Channel who makes all this happen, and also our uh, British ringer, uh, James McKeown of, of No Breaking Podcast fame. And today's special guest is a guy I've known for a long, long, long time, uh, former IndyCar driver, Roger Yaska. Hello, Roger. How are you? Hey, Sam. Very good. Thanks for having me on your show. Uh, this pod speed. I'm looking forward to chatting with you and uh, everybody else uh, trying to catch up with everything. Good. Uh, let, yeah, let, let me start uh, uh, from the beginning with Roger. So Roger uh, is a Japanese American who was pretty much raised in Italy because he was doing a lot of go-karting there. That's where he uh, learned his skills to become a race driver. And then uh, once he made it, once he came to the States, he made it to the big time uh, IndyCar. Uh, Roger, can you tell me, uh, can you tell me what, uh, before IndyCar, were you in uh, Indy Lights what, or the Toyota Atlantic series? What? Yes, I went through the, uh, uh, well, at the time it was the cart ladder system. So uh, I ran the Formula Atlantic series. I actually went to Skip Barber Racing School and did their uh, school series uh, in all where, the Barber where, <laughs> where was Skip Barber at that time? Uh, at the time, they had a base at Laguna Seca for the West Coast Series, and obviously, you know, they were so, you know, relatively nationwide, so you had that opportunity, obviously, to go to other series like in Florida or Midwest to Road America, things like that, but uh, in my case, I basically ran their West Coast Series, which was primarily uh, racing at Laguna Seca. Okay, and uh, you did pretty good because you... Uh stepped up to uh indycar do you what year was it uh, your first year in indycar first year was actually 2003 uh, i was uh, quite an interesting year because a lot of the team that was run, running in champ car series actually made the shift towards the indy racing league uh which was oh, called IRL. yeah that's IRL. right that exactly. was horrible <laughs> civil war uh, that was horrible <laughs> wait roger so were you in champ a uh, car or were you in irl so I was in IRL. Um, I would say that uh, at the time, uh, uh, basically Honda and Toyota both made an announcement that they were going to be racing in IRL full time uh, starting 2003. And then uh, during 2002, I was very fortunate to actually win a race at Milwaukee Mile. Uh, which is an oval. Uh, yeah. During that weekend, uh, Honda made an announcement that they were going to make that shift. So naturally, they were looking for a driver that could basically speak Japanese and look Japanese. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, there, there's two. It also two down, two, ovals. Two, exactly. <laughs> two so, conditions cleared. <laughs> yeah, so I think uh, those two conditions uh, allowed me to have an opportunity to race with uh, a team at the time called Super Agree Fernandez Racing, uh, which mm -hmm. was basically a team uh, that was formed in partnership with Adrian Fernandez, uh, together right. with uh, with Guri Suzuki, who was obviously the former uh, Formula One driver from Japan. Right. So, first, uh, first, yeah, I yeah. think it was the first Japanese to get on the podium. You know. Yes. Exactly. In Formula One. Yeah. Yep. Oh. Mm -hmm. Wow. So uh, that was two thousand three, right? Yes. Yeah. So, so now, were you happy? With, 
Were you happy with the Vita IRL? Because the IRL, the big thing they had was they had the Indy 500. Champ Car did not, right? Correct. So, you know, it was my dream to race at Indy 500. So I had really no doubts. Of course, I grew up as a road racer. So I've wanted to do other races like Long Beach, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, you know, given the situation, I think it was a great opportunity for myself. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think I realized over time that I my driving style was actually better on oval. Um, and I think, uh, again, I had no regrets or no doubts, um, you know, jumping into the IRL series at the time. And, uh, you know, over time, obviously, uh, the two series ended up merging. And, you know, I think now we have a very strong competitive series. So I think it's just, you know, during those times that uh, you really, you know, had didn't have a lot of choice. But I think, uh, again, being part of the Indianapolis 500 was a huge thing for me. So I'm obviously glad and uh, very uh, proud to be part of the series, I guess. Uh, you know, Roger, you know, when you were uh, when you were being uh, when you're honing your skills like in Italy through the, with the go-karts and stuff, um, those are probably mostly, or I, I bet you all of them will run a road, uh, road circuit, right? Road courses. Um, how did you make the jump from road? And how difficult is that? And how different are the two? Yeah, why do yeah, you think? So, uh, yeah, why do you think oval was your was your thing? Yeah, then why yeah. why were you better at it? Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, the biggest thing again, driving, you know, growing up as a kid, racing in cars, you you basically learn all the the natural vehicle you know dynamics how to control the car etc cetera, etc cetera, and obviously setting up the car uh, as you need to suit your driving style uh, so you know coming from karting moving to like the junior formula series you know you learn all those little details uh, and more importantly race tactics uh, however when you make those moves to oval um, I think the biggest challenge is really understanding, you know, the, the race tactics and strategy, uh, being patient, um, you know, how to relay what you want as a setup, you know, the changes you want to make to the car, to your engineer. I think those are, uh, you know, a lot different than, you know, what you've learned from road course, let's say. For example, when you go to ovals, you have you know, totally different spring and damper packages in each corner. So it's almost impossible to memorize, you know, what you had over times. Um, you go to road course, it's quite simple because, you know, of course, maybe your spring pack is different front and rear, but, you know, they're usually same as far as left, left side and right side. Um, you know, again, you go to the ovals and, you know, typically, I mean, obviously your right side is always going to be stiffer, uh, you know, the wing angles, you know, everything is so, you know, you have so much variables to deal with that, you know, you kind of need that relationship with the engineer. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's, you know, that's the first thing that's difficult. And, and you know, when you race on short ovals, uh, super speedway like Indianapolis, uh, places like Michigan or Fontana, uh, it's, it's all about understanding how to race with each other. Um, you know, I spent, you know, I only had limited experience on ovals before going into IRL. Uh, you know, at the time, a lot of the guys were coming from road course. So, you know, I think they've defined the rule nowadays that I think is more clear. But back in the days, people would just basically try to block to defend your position. <laughs> But when it comes to ovals, you're basically just, when you do that, you're just creating enemies. Like, you know, what comes around, comes around. So 
you know, it, it's trying to learn with uh, other drivers. Um, you know, you got to be extra careful with some. You know, if you know some are actually good racers and you work with them, uh, you know, let's say even if you have an opportunity, you had a good run. Uh, sometimes you don't want to make that pass because you want to wait until the end. So I think, you know, those kind of strategy and understanding where their air pocket is so you don't get into trouble, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, those are the details that requires experience. And, uh, you know, and again, I think I was very fortunate to be able to run the full season in 2003 to learn those skill sets. Um, and, you know, it obviously allowed me to carry a longer career uh in the indycar series to be racing you know another full season in 2005 and then uh doing quite a bit of uh, one offset either the 500 or motegi in japan yeah roger you've i think you had what 10 how many total starts at indianapolis 500 do you have 10 or so, so indy no i had five starts actually oh, five five indy 500 starts yes. which is very impressive oh but you've had uh you did have a top 10 right finish yes so i finished uh Tenth, both in 2003, which was my rookie season, and then uh, 2004 uh, was another 10th uh, place finish. But unfortunately, that race was cut short due, due to the rain. And uh, mm. I had a strategy that uh, was actually going to, you know, go until the end. So it didn't quite work oh, out for me. So you had it. You were saving. It <laughs> you were saving something for the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, we had, right. you know, I was running for uh, Team Ray Hole at the time, and. We had three cars, uh, all three cars finished in top 10. And obviously, you know, the team took the gamble to take uh, different strategies. So, uh, you know, again, it is what it is. But uh, I think uh, we had, we definitely had a winning car. Uh, oh, I was quite fast bad. throughout the month. So, but uh, it was uh, great to be part of a winning team. Did you, uh, when you, your, two th your rookie season, you said you had a top 10 and then you 500. I would have thought you would like show up and just go, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. I mean, you know, I mean, this is like my, I don't have that much experience in ovals and you kind of do need buddies, right? Like you were kind of saying you need people you what draft with, uh, people you kind of team up with. I mean, is that, does that kind of go around? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, uh, you know, Indy is a special place. I mean, every time, you know, I still go there when you walk through or you go under the bridge or tunnel, uh, you still get the goosebump. Um, you know, the place is, uh, is incredible because not only because of the size and speed, but, you know, when you look at it from TV, it looks quite wide, you know, during huge. the race, yeah. during the race, you know, you see four wide, five wide sometimes, but then when you're actually driving, it's actually really, really narrow. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, you know, I remember my first day uh, doing my rookie test and, you know, and rookie test is actually the heart is the hardest part of the whole procedure because they limit you to go, limit you within certain speed range for four phases So, for example phase one you got to do like 10 laps consecutively uh, between the speed of 195 to 200 and then phase two somewhere in between 200 and 205 and then you know ultimately you got to do like consistent laps uh, above 210 or 215. Uh, the car is really set up to run flat out so mm -hmm. to to run slow is actually harder it makes you uncomfortable because you're lifting before the corner and the car you know doesn't have the downforce that you want so i remember the first day going through the rookie test and i'm like man there's no way i could go flat around here <laughs> i mean yeah, it's, it's so pretty literal. intimidating yeah you know, so I've, I've seen it yeah yeah so but you know again you know like you said yes during the race you really need to have a drafting partner that you want to work with um the good thing about indy is you get a lot of track time
time uh, if it doesn't rain, obviously during May. Uh, but uh, yeah, during those track time, you know, you're working on either qualifying setup or race setup. And when you're doing the race setup, you basically, you know, you, you try to gather up with other drivers and then, you know, try to find who's going to be your best drafting partner during the race. So that's, you know, part of uh, the, uh, the uh, let's say learning curve you have to yeah wait now the, the drafting partner thing has always kind of intrigued me because what do you do you know do you go up to a guy you know like a racer like uh, let's say marco or whoever but in your case it would have been michael hey michael man you know uh you want to you want to team up for me how do you how do you decide who's gonna be your buddy and what if they go screw you man i, I don't want to you know i mean or do they come you know or what if they come to you and you don't really want to be their drafting buddy you know, I mean, yeah. or, or, or does that all happen during the race? You know, I mean, where you find out, okay, this guy's, I can work with this guy without, you know, really talking to him or yeah. How does that happen? Who, how do you, how do you get drafting buddies? Yeah. So usually, you know, if you're with a team that has multiple cars, you know, obviously your right, first right. option is going to be your teammates. So Penske, you're going to have you Penske or Ganassi, exactly. you're going to have a lot of buddies. Exactly, right. exactly. Okay. And typically, the, those teams, uh, those mega teams, will basically try to time everybody to go out at the same time. So you know, they're doing sort of like you know actual race sim runs uh, with three or four cars. Oh, okay. um, in my case, during the first year, I was uh, just a one car team operation, right. so I didn't have any friends. Uh, <laughs> with obviously, you know, the new guy, new kid in the block. So. I had to find somebody who would, you know, be willing to work with. So, uh, you know, time to time, the team managers or engineers will talk with other teams that they know uh -huh, or they've been okay. through. So they'll try to, you know, prearrange something. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you kind of have to build that relationship with other drivers, uh, you know, figure out who you, you know, who you're going to be able to work with and who's not willing to. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, again, if you're, if you're new to it, you know, what I tell other drivers when I'm coaching is basically, you know, let the other, you know, just sort of be the guinea pig and then let, you know, lead the cars for two or three laps. So they basically, you know, can get your air. And then, you know, once you lead two or three laps, then, you know, try to shuffle back and then, you know, make it look like it's your turn now. Uh, and, and that's sort of the way to figure out who's willing to work and who's not, because, mm -hmm. you know, when you do that, and then, you know, I've been through many times that, you know, okay, I let the guy for a couple laps, you know, and I try to go behind him and he pits right away. <laughs> you're like okay okay he's not the guy he's willing to work with wow that's so. like that's like that's like uh buying a girl a drink and she just like walks away from you you know exactly yep <laughs> wow so it is wow that's interesting so um who are your roger uh if you could say this i think you can now because it's been so long now this who are your best drafting partner your drafting buddies that you uh that you uh remember fondly especially with at the indy 500 and not every race but the like your first one, yeah, your first one, you came in 10th. Uh, you came in, uh, I think you came in 8th or 10th? 10th. Right? Top 10. That was a great finish. Uh, were you Rookie of the Year that year, or was there a rookie no, who did better? Than... actually, uh, no, he was in the running. Driver. Oh, yeah. You, the yeah. Running, but uh, I think it was Toro Takagi who won the Rookie of the Year, perhaps, that year. Oh, uh, another Japanese guy. Driver. Okay. <laughs> so, anyways, who, 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 was your, who, who did you work with on that first indie? So I think first indie, I would say, uh, I mean, immediately I thought I had, you know, good, how do you say, you know, I mean, not relationship, but obviously, uh, you know, yeah, sort of a good vibe, uh, you know, being able to work together was, uh, I would say maybe Kenny Brack, who was racing oh. for Payhole at the time. 
Okay. Uh, you know, I think part of that was that he was also a one car operation at uh, Ray Hall. So he was mm-hmm. always looking for somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought it was obviously very fair. Um, uh, Buddy Rice, who basically became my Buddy teammate Rice. in 2004 yeah. and who won the 500. Uh, I've actually yeah. grew up with him uh, through karting days. Mm, so yeah. I knew him since he was, you know, we were like 12 years old. So, you know, mm-hmm. I think uh, that sort of kind of came naturally. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to say anybody negative. <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> but, wanted to ask that. <laughs> I wanted to ask that, but okay. Rocky, you're yeah. too nice of a guy, so I you would answer. Uh, I know you, uh, you, you kind of, uh, you and Danica were like uh, in part of the junior series or, you know, together before making it big time too, right? Yeah, so she's a little bit younger than me. So I think, uh, well, she actually came on board uh, in 2005 with Team Ray Hall. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, I think she took over my car that I ran in 2005. Oh, she did? <laughs> <laughs> and I knew that was a good car. So, oh, um, so I think she did good that year too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, again, uh, yes, uh, there were some time um, that I raced up with uh, Danica, but... Uh, I don't think I've raced with her until uh, when we got to IndyCar series. So that would be 2005. Uh, before that, she would be always maybe a uh, category below uh, mm-hmm. coming up through the ranks. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but uh, I think what she did for the sports is obviously fantastic. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. there's almost, you know, a female driver in any series these days. So, you know, if it wasn't for her, I don't think, uh, you know, it, it would have been much harder for a lot of the drivers, yeah, you know, sure. female drivers to get in right now. So definitely one of the pioneers. Yeah. yeah so, uh, so Roger, out of all your indies, uh, which one to you was your most memorable? I'm sure they are all are, but which one did you really was, enjoy and just, you know, said, Hey, you know, that was, I ran a good race. Uh-huh. And you could also pick the one that, that was, uh, that was cut short because I mean, you were, you kind of had the, had the strategy all laid out. Right. Yeah, so, you know, for sure 2004 is the most memorable, uh, you know, not only because I, I remember during the pole day, qualifying day, um, we had a really strong car. And then, you know, during the warm up before qualifying, we were P2. I, the idea I had a good shot at taking the pole, and I was the first car to go out. Um, unfortunately, the track was still green at the time, meaning a little slippery. So uh, we didn't get our speed as we expected. And I think I qualified P11 or P12. Um, you know, I still regret to this day that I should have asked Bobby that, hey, I want to qualify again because, uh, you know, we could have pulled our speed or time and then, you know, went for the pole. But uh, uh, there was a lot of variables where, you know, I didn't want to risk you know, shunting the car and then, you know, damaging the car for the race. But obviously, you know, there's budget related issues as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with that in mind, you know, we kind of played it safe and not, you know, requalify. Uh, it, you know, started P11, 12, which wasn't bad. It's not <laughs> but bad, then, but it's just not pull. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, again, it's, it's the most memorable because I know the car was good. You know, we actually, um, uh, we had two flat uh, tires, uh, during the race, so we had to make up a lap uh, twice, and then you know we still made our way back to P10. So uh, you know, again, for sure, I know that the car was fast. Uh, we could have won, maybe you know, possibly, but you know, it's always would have could have. So you know, it's the one race that's most memorable, exactly. You know, but it's also the one that I regret the most. Mm. Um, you know, I think the one that I enjoy the most is maybe 2006. Um, 
I was, uh, during that month, I didn't have a seat. Um, I was looking for a ride and, you know, you don't know what, what could happen. So I just went to Indianapolis uh, during month of May, started walking around the garage, talking to different teams. And, you know, I didn't have any sponsorship money. So, you know, there was. So very, your chances of getting a seat was pretty much close to zero, right? Zero. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was just hoping something would happen. So you just showed up, just go, I'm going to show up and just walk uh, around and you never know. Yeah, right. Exactly. Oh, that's yeah. crazy. I mean, you got to keep knocking on the door. So and, where do you uh, go? You, you don't go to the bars like, you know, like, uh, like <laughs> aspiring actors and those guys do. Do you just go to the garages and they let yeah. you, you get a pass and you just walk around? Yeah. I mean, you know, I already had my, uh, I already applied for my driving credential, let's say. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I was entitled to go into the garage. Uh, obviously, during the time, there was no COVID re restriction, etc. cetera. Right, <laughs> so right, right, just right, walk right. into the garage and talk yeah. to the team owners. Uh, and one of the team actually uh, asked me to spot for a driver. And I've actually never spotted, you know, but I was like, okay, well, I'm here. Maybe I'll just pick Oh, which up driver? Do you remember? So uh, it was a driver uh, called John Herb. Uh, oh, he was a gentleman driver. Uh, that a gentleman driver, so not a professional. Yes. Yeah, not yes. So uh, basically, uh, yeah, I went to spot for him during practice. James uh, is a gentleman driver. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Except I don't. Except I don't have Sam's budget for being a gentleman. Exactly. So I'm the gentleman and a driver. <laughs> Sam has the Mr. Moneybag. I will be the driver. Yeah, I'm, I'm the budget. <laughs> So, all right, go ahead. Sorry, Roger. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah. So, anyways, uh, so John was struggling to get up to speed. Mm. So, eventually, the team owner asked me to hop into the car and, and see if the car would run okay. So, oh, so just to see if it was the car or the driver. Exactly. So, <laughs> if it was the Indian the or the Arrow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the time, I think, you know, I mean, it's the same symptom when I talked earlier about the rookie test. When you're lifting the car goes up on air you lose a lot of front downforce and then you know what happens is you're going to have a lot of understeer right. and you know and i think it was that combination where he was not comfortable you know going flat into the corner which was causing understeer and oh. then he started to explain that there's a lot of understeer but you know the issue is when you start add wings uh to that then all of a sudden your car go loose Mm -hmm. and then that's even know, more dangerous yeah. yeah exactly so that's why the team owner wanted me to hop in and then you know find out the car was okay um i got into the car and you know car was actually reasonable uh got up to speed right away so they said hey you know what you know we're committed with you so you know you got to be racing or at least qualifying the car and then we'll figure out what we do with the race wow um, yeah so you know i think i didn't make a lot of money to, from that race but i'm actually quite proud because i didn't bring any money either yeah that's <laughs> awesome um uh, what happened uh, to the guy though <laughs> you you totally like made him look pretty you, you made him look well, pretty bad yes right? yes yeah well i mean you know again i think uh it was nice of him to understand and step out and then you know i think he came back the following year with a different team and i think he made the field so Oh, he did. Uh, That's yes. Good. Uh, well, but then again, I can't go into the details because of the uh, content of the news. But he was actually in the news. <laughs> oh, really? For okay. a different we, reason. You guys, you guys can look it up. <laughs> James <later>. is googling <laughs> as we speak. <laughs> but uh, well, so, and Roger, what? Uh, wh where did you finish that year? Was that 2006? Uh, did you say? 
2006, yes, I believe. And that, I think I have only finished 17th, but uh, <laughs> well, it know, wasn't a it wasn't well, a it wasn't a high level <laughs> car. But it, yeah. well, you know, again, the car was actually pretty good. Uh, you know, we just didn't have enough laps before the race. I mean, right. you know, it was a last minute thing. You know, I got into the car on Friday and qualified on Saturday. <laughs> so wow. Oh, so race. you oh, so you can really set it up to your taste. Well, really. we, we probably had like 50 laps before the race. So oh, given that, okay. I think it was a good year. Wow. Uh, Roger, while you, during your stint in Indy, who do you think, uh, besides yourself, of course, so that who do you think was uh, to you the greatest driver during that time or the best or, you know, the guys you go, this guy is pretty, pretty damn, this guy is, he, he's talented. He's, he's mm -hmm. for real. Um, I'm sure there's more than one because everyone who makes it there is a special, but was there one that kind of, you said, uh, all right, this guy's pretty, this guy's, this guy's the real deal. Yeah, I mean, and you can pick more than one, of course. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are... But don't I mean, say everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the guys that was there before me and then still in the series, uh, which, you know, I think there's still quite a few. I mean, all those guys are, you know, incredibly talented drivers. Uh, oh, if I have to pick one, I would say Scott Dixon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is by far, <laughs> to me, is the best guy. I mean, he's obviously been with Chip Ganassi for a long time. And, you know, the, the team is fantastic, but, but, you know, all in all, I think, you know, I think Dixon's skills not only comes from speed, but patience and, you know, pushing what he needs to and, you know, staying out of trouble. Uh, if you look at his track record of finish, you know, his, you know, qualifying average and finishing average, I mean, they're both well within top 10. Yeah. Uh, you know, so well, it's, championship yeah. points. I mean, he's, I can't believe the guy is so, I'm not going to say old, so old, but he, he, he kind of a grandpa in the series and he's still, come, he's still vying for the championships, you know? Yeah. 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 Exactly. I, okay, he just I, won last year. So yeah, he just won it all yep. last year. So yep. yeah. So Dixon. Okay. That's, that's, a, that's a good one. That, that's kind of an obvious one, but that's a, that's all right. <laughs> that's okay. So Roger, um, um, after uh, your last IndyCar race, what, what, what were you doing? Uh, did you have any, did you have any um, uh, thoughts of maybe going NASCAR or maybe even sports car racing? Oh. Did we lose them? Yeah. I think that question turned him right off, Sam. What did you do? <laughs> I, so. I can't believe your line of questions. So. Oh, there he is. You froze Roger with that question. Yeah, sorry, Roger. Go <laughs> ahead. You could have to, we, we, you froze right <laughs> when I asked the question. Did you hear the question? All right. I did not know. I think the, I missed the best part. Oh no! The best part is uh, so uh, after after IndyCar, what what did you do? So uh, I actually went to work for an agency uh, that was uh, handling Mitsubishi Motors accounts. Oh, so <laughs> <laughs> no, but Roger, you were still racing then. You raced that. Uh, actually, you're right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I yeah, raced so, uh, while I was working after for that, when, you, when you totally said, "Okay, I'm going to retire. I, I'm done with uh, IndyCar." Uh, uh, well, at least open wheel racing. Yeah. So when I, you know, I mean, I, at some point I realized that, okay, I'm running out of money and also talent. So, so well, I don't know about talent, but money is right. So, I mean, you have gentlemen racers, right? Yeah. yeah they bring the money. They don't have the talent quite bad. I'm yeah. not saying James doesn't have talent. I'm saying, you know, the other ones. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. You're welcome. I just had to get that in there. <laughs> So, yeah, though, you know, as uh, I was approaching my 30s, let's say, you know, I wanted to get an experience experience working at 
corporate office. Uh, and, you know, when I started to think about that, I was like, okay, well, I really have no knowledge other than racing or cars. Right, so, right, right. You know, and at the time, I was very fortunate to actually get a job at Mitsubishi Motors. Mm -hmm. uh, so I went to work for Mitsubishi Motors for a couple of years and uh, basically handled their PR team uh, and also was part of their uh, Pike Speak effort. Uh, and we ended up winning, I believe, in 2014 in the uh, with the EV car out right. there. So that was basically sort of my first mission that, okay, I, I really need to get a corporate job and then, you know. Learn the business understand. side, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, once I did that, I decided to, to uh, basically go freelance again. Um, and, you know, I've actually established my own company to do, uh, you know, any kind of consultation or you know anything related to racing motorsports or cars so you know these days i've uh, obviously i'm still in racing field let's say uh last two years uh i've worked with a team in japan called team go uh oh they, yeah go they, they are Mans, right I mean, team. The yeah they Mans. yeah so they won Le Mans in 2004 right um i've actually had uh relationship with Mr. Go during my early days uh, he was the one who actually supported my career so it was sort <laughs> yeah, of something a, that's that, a good relationship yeah no so I you know I think you know not only obviously I needed something to do but you know I wanted to to do something to to you know show him all the appreciation and you know the support that I got during my early days so uh, I think it was a great reunion because uh, in 2019 we ran a uh, uh, GT3 program in Japan mm -hmm. uh, with the McLaren GT3 car. Um, we had some issues with VOP, so we struggled early on uh, during the season, but we had a second place finish at uh, Otsopolis and then qualified on pole at Motegi mm -hmm. uh, with a driver, Spanish driver named Alex Palo. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, and then uh, last year, uh, I oversaw the uh, partnership with Delcoin Racing. Uh, to have Alex Palo uh, pilot the 55 car. So, uh, uh, and this year I'm basically, I became his uh, business manager for Alex. So, so you're a manager now, you're managing race, race drivers. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. So somehow I got, you know, myself back into full circle in IndyCar <laughs> racing. Wow. And, well, uh, spotted for him too, right? Um, correct. Right, yeah. And before yeah. that, you spotted for Takuma Sato, right? At Indy. So I did, that's, yes. that's kind of huge. I mean, it's funny, two years of Mitsubishi corporate experience, and he says, I I'm getting back into racing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need any more of that corporate stuff. <laughs> so anyways, uh, Roger, can you tell us a little bit about spotting for Takuma then? Because, you know, he won Indy once when you were um, spotting, and the second time you weren't spotting for him, right? His last one, this was last yes, year. Yeah, last year I was actually spotting for Alex. So, oh, okay, uh, yeah. yeah, I wasn't part of that. But managing, yeah, in, uh, yes. Oh, did we lose him again? It's these questions that you're asking, Sam. It's too tough. Too tough. He's oh, got to take a break every time. The, you're breaking the <laughs> internet. It's unbelievable. We, no, we're breaking the internet, James. This is so good. <laughs> this is interesting stuff, though, man. So 2017, oh, hey, yes, Roger. Roger, we, Roger, yeah, we, we lost you. So how was it spotting for uh, Takuma? Yep. Yeah, it was, uh, it was fun. I mean, uh, you know, it was nice to win, but we had a lot of ups and downs uh, before that. I think, uh, you know, we came so close to winning in 2014. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, last lap we had... Uh, oh, uh, the Dario. Know, 
I tip my hat to Takuma for going for it. I mean, he oh, for sure. on the left. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I told him to do it. So. Oh, you did? You, <laughs> said, you gotta, like, you gotta no, get him here or it's over. Yeah, exactly. It's now or never. You know, I think wow. a lot of people say he could have waited for turn three. But if he lifted there, he had no chance. So yeah, I mean that was turn one, right? Yeah, turn one. Yeah, turn one. So yeah, no, yeah. So you know, I think you know Takuma is a special driver. I mean, I think uh, you know he's passion as far as being a race driver, and then you know I, I think his favorite saying is you know no attack, no chance. You know, I know he's the like one guy. Cobra Kai of racing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's the one driver that I know that will give 120% every time he's in the car. Uh, and, you know, I think his style is a little different because he started late. Uh, he, he wasn't right. like, you know, many of other, many other drivers that started when they were like eight years old in karting. He only started when he was 16, I believe. Uh, bicycle guy, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, in college, in like right? Olympic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, given you know that experience, I think what he has accomplished is you know obviously amazing. Uh, he did take the right path, I think, uh, and you know, being with the Honda development program and still being with Honda, I mean, I think that shows something or says mm -hmm. a lot. And and now he's actually he is the principal of the Suzuka Racing School. Formula in Japan. Oh, so, he is? Yeah, so he's, you know, I guess, you know, he's overseeing a lot of the young and upcoming uh, driver that is being developed by Honda. So it's certainly a good thing. Hopefully, we we'll have a lot more uh, Japanese drivers that will be interested racing in IndyCar series and mm -hmm. love to see a lot more uh, giving a try. Formula One, too, because, you know, he's got yeah, a absolutely. connection. So, yeah. so uh, Roger, how was it driving for David Leverman? Because you drove from what, one year, two years? Just one right. year in 2004. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, no, for sure. It's uh, it's funny experience. in real life, for sure. For sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've only got to see him at, at Indianapolis. Uh, obviously, he comes to that race every year. That's his backyard, uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, it was you know, nice, uh, nice spending time with them. And you know, we have a lot of uh, sponsor dinners, etc., prior to the race, and mm. you know him speaking about his experience being involved with the team etc you know it's, it's a lot of fun awesome awesome and how was ray hall as a as an owner was he uh, good to work under too yeah no, absolutely i mean you know bobby himself being a past champion yeah, uh opening minneapolis 500 yeah. and and having all that knowledge i think it's always helpful um you know i think uh, I think I was lucky to be racing for many of the team. I mean, I think these days, 80% of the team is owned by former drivers, champions. So, uh, you know, given that, you know, I think it's it's always nice to have those, uh, you know, team owner giving you a lot of advice on what to do. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, as you grow as a driver, you know, I think that's uh, a very important part of maturing your maturity, you know. Hold just one second. Yeah. What, what, yeah. What's going on? Just sorry, my dog's knocking on my door and he's making me crazy right now. Okay. Right. Well, well, I know yeah. the feeling. I know the we, feeling. We, we could pause these. We could take these. Out. We all have dogs, so. <laughs> okay. My dog's not barking in the background right now, but he was <laughs> a couple episodes ago. Sorry about that. Uh, so Roger, you were uh, you were um uh, um um helping or tied in with Lexus's racing effort for a little while. Has that ended? 
Yes, so uh, basically I helped uh, when Lexus was developing the GT3 car uh, and they're, they have been on track for three or four years now. So, you know, I was only involved in the initial part of the launch. Uh, okay. At the time, they had some other uh, plans about trying to uh, uh, build, uh, let's say, sort of like a cup car program. Uh, so we're doing some testing with that. Um, so, uh, but at this point, um, yeah, it's, it was uh, basically just the initial phase of the launch of the racing program. And it was okay. uh, very nice to uh, be involved. Um, I still do work with uh, the Lexus team time to time. Mm -hmm. uh, with their PR effort and being a translator for mm -hmm. uh, the chief engineers at, at their mm -hmm. PR events and things like that. So, uh, yeah, it's great uh, group of people at Lexus uh, to, to be working with. Now, Roger, do you get, do you, not do you only get the itch to get back in, like when you're working with Team Go uh, with some of these, uh, you know, sports cars and, you know, working with Lexus and do you get the itch to kind of get back in and go, or do they even say, hey, are you interested in maybe a, jumping in and being a driver. I mean, I would, I, I, that's, if I were a team owner and I had a, you know, had a sports car team and you were consulting, I go, Hey, Hey buddy, you want to take a couple laps? Just see where, <laughs> what your laps are like, you know? I mean, do you get, do you get the itch and do you have the opportunities? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think that type of passion never goes away. Uh, you know, I, of course, if there's an opportunity, I would always love to, you know, hop in a car and go out and drive, uh, you know, especially at the racetracks. Uh, however, uh, recently, uh, I've been racing against my son on iRacing and we have this oh, sim set up yeah. and yeah. yeah, every track that I go to, I literally, I'm like second and a half off his pace. So I'm like, all right. <laughs> I'm really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wait, so are you telling me there might be another Yasukawa up and coming here? Yeah. Never know, you know. I mean, right now he's playing soccer competitively. I keep telling him that there's no scholarship from racing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's the other way. You have to spend a lot of money. Exactly. <laughs> what? Well, uh, how old is your How old is your son right now? Uh, he's thirteen now. Thirteen. Oh, it's yeah. a pretty good age to good start age, looking yeah. for sponsors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, uh, at some point he might, you know, ask for it. But uh, I think it's amazing as far as the level of. Uh, the uh you know how real the simulators are these days i mean to to be able to train i mean you don't really get the real life okay if you hit the wall then it's gonna hurt so next time you're gonna right. slow down a lot more or the g mm -hmm. you don't really feel the g's too right right yeah. but but in general i think you know what you have to do as far as the hand-eye coordination i think it's it's very accurate so i think it's a great training tool um you know obviously fun but uh, you know, at the same time, it is it might create a little bit of friction within the family with uh, your, your wife or mom, et cetera. So we're trying to, you know, balance everything out. I hear you. Yeah, we had uh, Jan Mardenborough, you know, who was a GT Academy winner, and you know, went on to become a become a real race car driver. So right. that's a great learning learning tool, right? Uh -huh. Online racing. Roger, uh, speaking of hitting the wall, I you know I been to a lot of your races i mean you know i followed you because you're you're my friend i always see you at the race i can't remember you really hitting a wall hard or anything like that did, did you have any uh, pretty big offs or um um booms uh in your career i can't remember any big ones you know yeah no i think i've been super fortunate in terms of that i mean i i've actually had one big hit uh which was my second race at phoenix 
Uh, it's a short one mile oval. Yeah, that's a, um, that's, a, that's, a that's a nasty little. Yeah, it's a tough place. And uh, but actually, uh, well, with we actually had went into a different sequence in strategy and, and it was my second race, but I was uh, I led the race for for a moment and then I ran second for a long time, like mm -hmm. during the second stint. And then because we're in different sequence at the pit and and for that I got a little frustrated wanting to get up front again <laughs> too early. So mm. I was trying to make the move uh, uh, over Al Jr. from the outside of turn mm. one and two, <laughs> hit the bump Ooh. and the car spun around on me and, oh. and basically it hit the wall backwards. Uh, I believe the G at the time was about 90 or close to 100 G. And that was painful. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, but from that hit, I did uh, get a concussion. I had to stay at the hospital overnight. And then uh, for two weeks, I was, uh, yeah, I mean, I was quite dizzy for two weeks. Oh, really? Uh, wow. Yeah. And, and the next round, uh, next race after that was actually Motegi. So mm. I had to be in Japan for two weeks uh, doing all the promotional work. Uh, oh. Scary thing is, like I was old, I was there, but I don't remember any of them <laughs> right now. Oh, wow. oh really? Oh, so, so you uh, were, oh, wow. Yeah, so oh, I was wow. uh, quite knocked out, and uh, before the race, uh, I did take that—I uh, I don't know what they call the uh, the concussion test. Mm -hmm. uh, protocol, and, whatever the yeah, protocol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and I, I unfortunately failed. <laughs> but oh, you, you failed, okay. Yeah, I mean, I could say now because I think none of those guys that were around at the time is there is is around anymore. But, <laughs> but yeah, I failed, and I was like, oh man, if I don't race here, I don't know if I'm going to have any, you know, a career. Right, because all your sponsors are there. Your yeah, Japan's exactly. one of your big races yeah. because yeah, most of your sponsors are there, right? I mean, yeah. Panasonic was our sponsor, Autobax, right. and your so, Japanese. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So. Uh, yeah, and and basically the doctor at the time said, okay, well, you know, we'll retest you at Indy, and you know, you got to be clear uh, before the race at the 500. And fortunately, I had enough time to recover. So, uh, well, interestingly, well, you I, raced it. You raced it to Motegi too, didn't you? Even though you yeah, didn't so clear. yeah, no, I raced there that day, and then <laughs> interestingly, well, interestingly, I hit the wall again, but in a different angle, right. and then my brain seemed to like reset itself. And I was oh, so you, whacked, you whacked it back into line. Exactly. Okay, that's, yeah. that's really safe. Science. That's the best that's way to do it. Science. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. Oh, so you actually, you, you, so you DNF'd on there too because of, of yeah. the Yeah, so th those were the two major GNF, let's say. And then, you know, maybe after that, I kind of learned my lesson. And then, you know, I mean, the biggest thing is to keep it off the wall. If you don't finish, then, you know, you, you really have no yeah. chance of winning. So, but Roger, you know, the second race, I mean, do you remember hitting? I mean, uh, the wall. I mean, do you think you hit the wall because you weren't a hundred percent there, or was it it's, just? I mean, I could easily say that now, but you know, maybe. But yes. who's who's to say? Yeah. You don't know, uh, right? Yeah, wow. I mean, but you know, for sure, you know, when you're taking the concussion test, uh, and you know, when you're not fully recovered, you know, you know, because you can't concentrate more than ten minutes. Yeah. Yeah. How, how many times did you race Motegi, Roger? I think five times as well, five or six. Really? Five or six oh, I times. thought it was more yeah. because yeah, you, yeah. You, you were racing it when we were working together too. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. I was I was at one of your races. I don't think it's the one you crashed though. I remember seeing that Motegi at one of the uh -huh. one of the races, but uh, awesome. maybe you had a concussion so you don't remember seeing me there. <laughs> <laughs> Could have been two thousand three. <laughs> Could have been. Yeah, that's uh, but Phoenix, there's uh, I 
Phoenix is kind of famous for people going into the wall, isn't it? I mean, it's a yeah. tight track. I remember Nigel Mansell went into the wall backwards there. Yep. He almost killed himself. Yeah, Nigel. Yeah. Hero had a big one there too. Oh, um, Hero, yeah, King Hero. Yep. Yeah, so. <laughs> um, so, Roger, um, your uh, driver now, uh, the one you're representing, um, what's his name again? We'll try to... Uh, James, his name is Alex Pallo. P-I-L-L-O or P-A-L-O? P-A-L-O-U. Oh, sorry. Hello. L-O-U. We'll get it up on the uh, um, uh, on screen here so we can all uh, root for him. But uh, he is uh, running what what series now? So he's, well, he's uh, in IndyCar series. This year, he's going to be racing for Chip Ganassi Racing. Oh, uh, that's a pretty big. Running the 10 car. That's yep. a, the number 10 car. Yes. Wow. Oh, wait, well, he, he was at Indy. Uh, he was he a... Was, uh, uh, part of the Indy series last year too, wasn't he? Yes. So he, yeah, he, he ran was... the 55 car, uh, basically oh, was in partnership with Dale Coyne and Team Go. Okay. Oh, okay. And you've, you've uh, kind of nurtured him from, from then, from Team Go? Is that yes. where you got so to So basically in 2019, uh, he drove for our GT3 300 team. And then also at the time he was running Super Formula with Nakajima Racing. Oh, all in Japan and, then? Yes. Yeah. GT300 so, in the Super... Asian GT series, right? Yeah. Super so, GT, series, I'm sorry, yeah. Super GT and both Super Formula. Right. So, you know, he was in Japan. Hey, uh, yeah, there he is. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah. He, and, you know, obviously we got to know each other quite well. Um, you know, first, obviously, he was focused to be racing in Japan in Super Formula series. But over time, he started to tell me that his dream was to actually come over to U.S. and uh, wow. race in the IndyCar series. So, hmm. uh Basically, uh, I think it was summer of 2019, um, I helped him get a test at Mid-Ohio mm -hmm. uh, day after the race with Dillcoin Racing. And uh, during that test, uh, uh, he showed a lot of speed, actually. His uh, time was actually quicker than pull time uh, oh, wow. with the harder compound tire. Uh, <laughs> you know, obviously, the track was rubbered in and might have been in good condition, but certainly but impressive still, yeah. with everybody yeah. up. So, yeah, I mean, this kid's a natural talent. I mean, you know, what he can do with the car is really amazing. I've seen him, you know, I worked with him last two years and, you know, his raw speed is obviously, you know, probably one of the most impressive I've seen in a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, of course, he still needs a little bit more of a race craft to be learned. Uh, well, yeah, know, he looks like he's getting ready to go, you know, into middle school here. <laughs> yeah, he's still 23 he'll be 24 this year oh he's 24 okay yeah he looks like he's like 17 my god yeah so uh, uh paulo where what, what is he is he uh uh where's where he, is from? he from oh we lost roger again he's got to get better uh wi-fi here have the opportunity to drive for chipinassi racing in that thing oh what was that yeah. okay yeah, yeah. Uh, hey back. roger where's uh alex polo is he spanish uh what what, what what kind of, what name is that? Yeah, so he's from Barcelona. Oh, he is from Spain. Oh, we lost him again. Roger, you got to get better Wi-Fi. <laughs> that Wi-Fi at Indy 500s is <laughs> <It's> horrible. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, where's James? James James is there. Oh, James, is is got, James is kind Everybody of frozen. There. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's yeah. Roger. Roger, Roger's we got to get better, better. You got to get better Wi-Fi there at Indy 500. Oh, we lost James now. What is going on today? I'm not sure why the internet sounds stable here, but uh, so, yeah, so so um, uh, hey, Roger, what 
what are your what kind of things are you um, like coaching Alex with now? Like, what's he what's he what are you working on with him, and what kind of things you advise him when you're when he's racing? Well, I mean, you know, I think his driving skills. There's nothing I could teach. Uh, you know, last year, as far as the old racing, I always say try to give him all the tips of you know know how what what to do and what not to do. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he's now at the level driving for Chip Ganassi Racing, and he's got guys like Dario Franchitti. Uh, you know, overseeing the whole driving coaching uh, yeah. at Chip Ganassi. So there's, you know, I, you know, as a as his business manager, you know, I'm not so involved on driving part anymore. But his contracts, yeah, his agreements. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, finding other sponsors for him. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, that's why I call call myself his business manager because you know, of course, I'll you know I'll talk to him about racing you know every day, mm -hmm. but you know my. The way I look at it is my my main duty for him is you know a group, you know overseeing his agreements you know setting up his corporate account his tax situation uh, wow. you know again he's still 23 he's quite young yeah. and you know obviously he doesn't know uh, you know he, he has to learn all those stuff uh, you know for the U.S. law let's say sure. um, so you know I'm just basically helping him helping him out with that um, mm -hmm. you know unique thing about him is he actually he's still 23 but he uh, owns a coffee shop in a city called Girona in Spain. Oh, really? Uh, he's, uh, he's also doing that. I mean, we have a lot of common talks because uh, I know uh, both uh, Taro and Sam, I know you guys know, but James, I actually uh, own a, uh, or in, I'm in partnership as an owner uh, of a ramen shop here in <laughs> Torrance, California. So we have, you know, something sort of in common with, you know, I have something in common with Alex where, you know, you know, sort of as a business owner, we know, you know what it takes etc so sure. you know it's it's been a great partnership i mean you know i truly hope that he will succeed this year uh to stay with chip ganassi for a long time you know i know he needs oh, he's to got a good team so, yeah. yeah i mean there's no excuse uh this year so i think you know I, i'm i'm very confident that he's gonna prove uh you know he'll surprise a lot of people i mean i know he did already last year but this year i think it's going to be his year where he's going to be able to catch a lot of people's eye yeah well good. so young and so fresh into uh, Indy, and and he lands a major with a major team. That's that's kind of unusual, isn't it? I mean, I think it's it's all timing. I mean, you know, I go back. Let's say if we go back two years ago when I was talking to Alex first, that you know, I told him, you well, you know, I know you want to make it to IndyCar, but to make a career out of it, you know, it's either you got to be able to bring some sort of sponsorship funding. Right. Or if not, you got to be there at the right time. Um, you know, fortunately, last year we had the partnership with Team Go, so you know he sort of got his you know foot into the door. Uh, you know, when when that ten car uh, became available, uh, you know, obviously we got in touch with Chip Ganassi Racing, uh, and uh, and again we were very lucky to be in the position to sign an agreement and That's and be amazing. part of the team, but. But the thing now is, you know, I think the series is so competitive uh, now, you know, a lot more competitive than when I was racing. I think probably as good as maybe late 90s or early 2000 kart days where, you know, I mean, if you start counting the teams, you've got four Penske cars this year, four Ganassis, you know, you got McLaren's and yeah, exactly. I mean, just to even finish in top 10, right. it's going to be so difficult. And you got Andretti's just, team, right? Which yeah, is, you got some of the include Andretti, exactly. So, <laughs> and you know, today we had an announcement, uh, and I shouldn't say we, but uh, there was an announcement from Del Coin that they're going to put uh, Romain Grosjean in one of their cars. 
Oh, uh, they are. Okay. Yeah, for the street and the road course. So there's, oh. you know, there's a lot. Yeah, of you wouldn't want to put them on an oval. <laughs> well, I think the team offered him, but he basically said no after the crash. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so, I don't blame him. So Alex made a pretty easy transition from road courses to ovals, obviously, you know. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was a challenging year last year because actually his first IndyCar race was at Texas and it was a one-day event. He's He went to uh, Texas Motor Speedway, I believe, in March to do a one-day test, sort of like his rookie test. But during that day, it wasn't like they, uh, you know, he had any drafting partners or anything. It was just basically right. going around. So, you know, he showed up, you know. In June, he came back to U.S., you know, he showed up to Texas, you know, he only got a couple laps and he had to go racing. So it was a, you know, big learning curve for him, um, you know, and then the next race, uh, next oval race, I believe might have been uh, Iowa, which is another short oval. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I think he cooked it really. I mean, he, you know, he's a quick learner. Um, he has great car control skills. It's, you know, it's, it's about basically understanding, you know, when to push and when, when not to. And I think he learned it in many ways. Um, at the 500 last year, he, I think he could have, he could have qualified on pole if his uh, weight jacker, which is a tool that you shift your basically weight uh, to balance your car. Right. Uh, during my days, you would use that tool during qualifying to just fine tune your balance. Mm -hmm. But nowadays, it's basically became a tool to drop your rear right height. So by dropping mm -hmm. your rear right height, you're getting more speed down the front straightaway. Right, so it's right, kind of right. like the DRS in F1 where, you know, you have the wing, basically wing right. flap, basically. Make it a cleaner car. Right? Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So the way it works these days in qualifying with a weight jacker is you use that to change your right height so you know and when that fails you basically you know you don't have the down front downforce that you need so unfortunately you failed during his second lap but oh, he was okay. tracking to actually qualify on pole and he had the fastest speed um going into turn one i think they caught him at 241 miles per hour it's <laughs> wow, so a good that's a good speed that's almost too fast yeah 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 so I think, you know, I mean, he, he did great at the speedway. Um, unfortunately, in the race, he he uh, he ended up hitting the wall, but I think he learned from it. And uh, so, therefore, I think this will be the year where, you know, he'll definitely need to pick up and, you know, finish consistently, but also up front. And, you know, he's got all the tools and teams and support that he needs now. So, I think he'll well, be able to well, Me and Taro that. and James will tell him, hey, you know, your business manager was top 10 twice, okay? So, um, <laughs> you, if you can't beat your business manager, man. <laughs> I'm sure he will. Okay. So, we'll be watching for him. And hopefully, Roger, we, we could catch up when uh, you're at uh, well. Well, with Alex too at Long Beach, but I don't know if that race yeah. is going to happen. You know, well, they've already actually made September. an announcement in September. Yeah, so I, I think uh, we'll it will happen in September. Yeah, I hope so. Okay. Well, Roger, uh, we wish you the best of luck. We wish you the best of luck with uh, Alex, and um, yeah, it's just great to see you in racing. You are one of the few Japanese Americans that uh, re have represented us. Um, so, I mean, James has too many, they're all Brits, the good races, but you know, it's, it's good to have you in there, Roger, and waving the flag for us. So, and so hey, Roger, uh, before you go, where do, uh, where can people find you on social and what's the name of your ramen place again? Remind <laughs> us. <laughs> so the ramen place is called Zabon Ramen, Z-A-B-O-N. 
It is in Torrance. Uh, the cross street is basically Western Avenue and Carson Street. If uh, any of you, yep. everybody go. Yeah, I greatly appreciate it. And then, uh, yeah, my social sites. I think uh, I'm, I'm not. Well, I've been more or less on is. social these times these days, so I'm not posting as much anymore. But you could find me on Facebook with Roger Yasukawa, or same thing on Instagram and Twitter, I guess. But I haven't been posting so much recently, so do not get angry with me. If yeah. I don't well, you're you're too busy promoting um, uh, your your driver, so exactly. like so, right. Okay, Roger. I know you got to right. go. Thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll Thank you, see you Roger. soon. Thanks, Roger. Thanks, James. Thanks, Charles. Thanks, see Sam, for okay, being uh, yeah, keeping me on, on the show. Thanks, appreciate it. Right, yeah. Bye. -bye. Right. See, that was cool. Oh, I think Larry does. So, well, that was good. You know, a little racing. I know you enjoyed that, James, because you're the racing guy. So, I did, Sam. I did very much so. It's very you interesting know, to hear yeah, about. You're, you're uh, welcome to jump in and ask your um, very, very, very complicated questions, you know. Well, look, I don't want to be in the situation where I try and interject myself in there by saying, Sam, 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 oh. Sam, and our viewers. <laughs> oh, we like that. Because complain. Our, because our uh, our listeners out there have noticed our, li that. our listeners are engaging, James. Exactly. <laughs> it's well, a positive thing. But they just, those positive things of just them telling me off. So I don't really get that. Uh, that positive vibe. But more importantly, Sam, what is the news that you're going to talk about this week? Well, before I get into that, since we have a little time, hey, James, when did you, did, do you remember ever first getting into, you know, being a product of uh, England, um, uh, from an English point of view, the Indy 500, uh, Indy car racing, was that always something that, uh, like NASCAR, that's what those guys in the, the Yanks do across the pond, that's not our thing. Um, but then, you know, when Nigel came, I'm sure that was a big deal. But I mean, do you have any memories of how you, know, well, you started following? following I mean, ob obviously, I mean, you look at Graham Hill, who's the only man to like win it all. And then mm -hmm. no one's probably going to do that again when Monaco, win the Indianapolis 500 and win them all. So no one's going to do that again. I mean, I think Fernando's trying to do it, but I don't think Fernando will do it. Oh, that's the Graham, the yeah. trifecta. Graham Hill, yeah, exactly. The, <laughs> and the before classic... that, remember Jimmy Clark, right? With the, uh, uh, you know, with Colin Chapman, the and I obviously first I know rear the... engine car, you know, racing against all the front engine cars. Yeah, and obviously, uh, personally, here I know the person that he went up against and didn't manage to win that race when he when he should have won um, here. Uh, I think because wasn't it he went in and did the racing and then it lost on the last uh, there was a bit of nefarious doings I will say and maybe the home crowd advantage went to the Americans as opposed to the the person from overseas in regards to the race but that's a different story Wait, for another. What the heck are you talking about, Tara? You know what he's talking about? I don't know what you're talking no, about. No, sorry, I'm, lost I'm getting I'm getting mixed up between my racing car drivers. But there was a win there that should have been given and wasn't given, and there was a bit of nefarious activities. But anyway, that's a different story for another. Is that day. the Nigel one? No, no, no. But anyway, anyway, when Nigel came across, that was more serious business, especially when he jumped out of the car and had to roll on the ground because he thought he was on fire. Oh, uh, yeah. What you mean with the car on top of his car? Yeah. Dripping, dripping hot radiator water or something on his back? Yeah. So, I mean, and Nigel was a racer and obviously he'd just win the championship then to come across at the pinnacle and not defend it was interesting as well. But other than that, I think when I was really getting into the racing, that was when the sort of split happened between the two. Yeah. And it was a bit unusual at that time in regards to what was going down so the focus went back to formula one so i mean that's kind of my take on it um i did go i think i was at the 2004 motorgy indycar grand prix 
um i won oh, when you were living in japan yeah i won tickets for that um from the new japanese newspaper and i uh caught the trainer and then hitchhiked the race so it was oh, interesting wow. someone actually <laughs> picked you up uh yes yeah, someone actually picked me up and the funny thing was is they were uh working for one of the teams out there doing translation um and then they no one actually, actually ever asked my ticket so i just went straight through so it was great it was one of those funny oh, things so, so oh, you, you just went in with the through. team yeah, so they dropped me off, but the, the hard part was obviously coming back from the race, and that's when Sorry. Noah picked me up, and it was uh, right. one of those unique times when obviously you didn't have GPS on, or tracking on your phone, yeah. so you didn't know how to get there, so it was just trying to find a train station, and then it's obviously... It's far, it's far and, from... Oh, yeah, that, that's in the boon, it's in the mountain. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's <laughs> what I mean, and then when you get to the train station there, it's not exactly a guided-friendly train station as well. Oh, you, it's, yeah, you, you, you have to kind of ask around or know someone. I mean, I but, think I'd have a hard time getting, getting back to Tokyo from... <laughs> but I did it, and so I'm proud to say I managed to do it. So you that know, I'm still you know, here to stay. You know, James, if this was a Disney movie, you would have got in with the team, and you would have actually raced. I know <laughs> that would have been what happened. <laughs> that would have happened. But uh, it knows that. I mean, that's my experience to Motoki when I went out there for the day. Um, and did you enjoy the race? Yeah, the race was really good. Yeah. But, Do you uh, remember who won that? No, I can't remember. I think I had too much sun. And then obviously, I think the, the definitely the sun. It was kind of like, you know, that scene in the desert when you're like on the movies, when they're walking through and they lose all their clothes and then they get all ripped and then they start crawling by the end of it. That was me getting to the train station. So I think the, uh, the sun had taken it. it. I barely made it. Yes, it was just like water. Water. My hands were out there for water. And I, and I passed like a skeleton who was doing the same thing from like two years ago. It says all happened, yeah. Oh, well. Only um, Kanan won when I went. I forgot which year it was, but. I think that, was that the same year? I don't know, Let but uh, Dan, our buddy Dan Frio was there too when I went. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, yeah, he was there with like, you remember he used to run the Honda tuning magazine? So Honda like invited, he was on like some Honda trip. Okay, oh, I see, okay. All right, so getting a, let's, let's get to my scoops then, shall we? But thank you for it. sharing, James. That was a great story. I yeah. try to share when I can here. Uh, well, we got to no. cut a yank out of you sometimes, right? Uh, well, I try. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm, you'll wait for it in the book, Sam. Maybe I'll get a ghostwriter who can help me put all these stories oh, down. Uh, yeah, well, I might have, to, might have to help you with that. So anyways, uh, let's get to my first car here. Uh, the first car is, uh, as you can see, uh, let's see, has James put it up yet? Well, which one? You've got two. Oh, the Toyota. Which... I'm sorry, the, the Toyota. Um, wait, for, wait for it to come up. And this is the only photo I have of it. So, And it is from Best Car. So I'll give my Best Car guys um, props. Here we go. So anyways, um, as you can see by the, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, hold on here. Uh, the license plate or whatever it's called, uh, it is a Corolla. I like it. I like the uh, Photoshop job that you've done. On well, the I just try to clean it up, you know. I, I just try to clean it up. <laughs> it's all I did, you know. But it, it says best car there, but it's like right in the middle of the thing. It, it, come on, this one's not bad. The other one was really bad. I remember that. It's better than the Z. 
<laughs> yeah, the I'm steam the, yeah, that was bad. I, yeah. Now, now that you've drawn my, your my attention to it, uh, Taro, I can't ever not unsee it. Now. Yeah, and no, it gets, it's Just getting worse. It's getting there's, worse the more I look at it. For some reason, there's a katakana bit, <laughs> a bit on the wheel. Okay, and it's not. I, it's not I'm only, not even gonna try anymore. Okay, it's Just not only it. that. It's the Just top left-hand corner above the windscreen is the one I'm more concerned of, where the road just sort of merges oh, right into the there, grass. Yeah, yeah, yeah oh, right on the top. Yeah, it's really flashing to me now. It's like two beacons I've got going off. It's uh, unbelievable. Okay, you know I'm not even gonna try it. But anyways, okay. So, uh, I guess uh, the current king of the hot Japanese hatches right now, I would think, will probably be the Honda Civic Type R. Um, like a D segment car, which isn't really a mm -hmm. sports car, like the eight six or Agreed. anything. So, and that front drive compact car uh, is pretty much becoming legendary in my eyes, just because you know it's set the uh, a record at Nurburgring, which I don't think it has anymore. But um, I think it, they they might want to get it back. I'm not sure, but uh, it is uh, probably one of the fastest, one of the uh, most dialed in front wheel drive cars like in the marketplace and Honda knows how to do front wheel drive cars. And um, it has a really, really good following among import enthusiasts. Uh, as I will point out, our uh, next generation Honda uh, Civic Type R scoop videos, I think over 3000 3, views. So looks like there's a lot of interest in that. So, so now uh, while Toyota, and you know Toyota does almost tries to do everything well, but they, you know they they're sometimes they're having a hard time trying to get you know be be like the number one um, sporty car in any segment. But while Toyota's upped its uh, compact hatch game with the recently introduced Yaris GR, uh, unfortunately it's not a car we get here, but it's uh, a car that uh, uh, Arisa the dr uh, the drifter is drifting right now, and she's talked well about it. We haven't really driven yet because it's not available here. Uh, but we hear that Toyota will be adding to the Yaris GR with a new version of the Corolla, which will be due out as soon as this September. So we're talking like five months. So this car will go by the name Cor uh, the Corolla Sports GRMN. And uh, Taro, do you remember what GRMN stands for? Gazoo Racing. Yes. Do you GR. remember what the MN stands for? What was the MN? You don't remember, do you, James? Mitani. Uh, mit, no, mitani. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, it, it German Meister Nurburgring. So yeah, Meister, I was going to say, uh, I thought it was the Nurburgring, right? Yeah, so GRMN stands for, you know, Gazoo Racing Master of the Nurburgring. Um, so if anyone asks, now you know. That's right. So uh, this car will come powered by a turbocharged 1.6 liter inline three, which is basically the same power plant as the G, uh, GR, Yaris GR. Uh, and you're getting uh, 272 horsepower out of this uh, inline three, 1.6 liter inline three, um, and 272 pound feet of torque. So it's gonna be a very, very fast, very quick car. Uh, we are hearing, you know, zero to 60 times uh, in the low fives or even under five. Uh, it'll come mated to a six-speed manual gearbox, which means, yes, you know, the manual gearbox is not dead. Uh, it seems like more and more cars are coming, you know, uh, these performance cars are coming with a manual uh, gearbox. Uh, the GR Yaris, the Yaris GR uh, comes with the uh, manual gearbox also. Now, and, is, this, is, yeah. this a, is this a rumor or, or is it like 
pretty close to being a reality kind of thing. I would say pretty close to being reality, but it's still a rumor. Our ninja otakus are very, very, very otaku info. Yep, yep. Yeah, or else you know, I would I would have a concept picture instead of this car with a bet on the wheel. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so it'll come here to a six-speed manual gearbox, and uh, this one, just like the Yaris, will be all-wheel drive. So that kind of gets me to uh, to talk to our racing expert, um, James. Um, James, they have a Yaris, which is, you know, Yaris is a pretty small car. This one's a little bigger. Mm -hmm. I mean, what, which one would I think, you know, would be more WRC-esque, you know? Well, the Yaris, because that's the one they race in the WRC. Yeah, but they used to run the Corolla. So why do that with a Corolla then? You know what that, is it because, well, yeah, go ahead. No, I just think that the, they've got the, the Yaris is the one that they're pushing. I think they're pushing more markets than they do the Corolla. Mm -hmm. um even though but i think that the reality is is the yaris comes in at a more conventional price point so a lower price point would help them do with the sales i also think though that this image that you sent up um seems to be uh shall we say it looks a little less not as aggressive as the gi yaris i mean i could think that, a, that we should see a lot more aero on a corolla if it's going to be uh wear that moniker so i think that while it's the front looks right i think this might be more aero coming on this corolla when it, if it does go into production which makes sense to me of putting the engine and drivetrain you've got into a slightly bigger platform i don't think it'd be too much of a stretch to make that happen oh and then kind of uh um cater to the enthusiasts the driving enthusiasts who need a who need a little bit bigger car or something right exactly i mean obviously the yaris is two-door this is four-door it's a very exactly. very similar platform so it, it doesn't take much development costs, I assume. Obviously, it's going to still be millions of development costs, but relative to, to, to making a, creating a new model with the same engine, it gives you more options for people that like four doors as opposed to ones that make it the, have the two doors. I mean, I think they have a four door Yaris as well, though. Not in the GI Yaris, though, Tara. Oh, the GR. Yeah, the GR, the GR is pretty much WRC you know wrc i see w, yeah yeah WRC. so if you're going for that performance then it's having it, it makes sense if why not do the four door as a corolla and the two door as the yaris and have two different cars with the same sort of similar performance figures and go into two different markets well right uh, on james's logic there uh our otaku ninjas uh came back to us and said you know toyota isn't necessarily aiming to move in on the honda civic uh type r's turf you know even though they're both four doors are about the same size i think d segment or what have you uh and because you know of number one of it's because of its four-wheel drive layout but instead uh they say that the company is going after the germans uh most notably uh volkswagen and the golf gti and the golf r variant so the golf gti is you know pretty much the same size same you know same four-door uh hatch and the golf gti produces 228 horsepower which is considerably lower than the corolla uh, sports GRMN, if that's uh, if all our information is correct, and if but if Toyota it tends to go after the Golf R variant, uh, it'll need a lot more power uh, than what this current engine is giving because the Golf R variant produces 333 horsepower from its turbocharged two-liter inline four. So you know, I, I don't know if the, the, this Corolla is going to even move up even more, but I, I think with a 1.6-liter inline three. You know, turbocharged. I think at 272, almost 300 horsepower is pretty, 
I would think maxed out on that for a production car. So uh, we won't know, but uh, but this car will fit right in between the two golfs. Uh, the two golfs. Uh, no word on price for this uh, Corolla Sports GRMN, or if it will be available in the U.S. Let's hope it is. Um, but if it's uh, going to follow in the footsteps of the JRRs, it probably won't make it here, but maybe they made this one here, this one, so it can come to North America. So um, let's hope we will be on the lookout for this car. Um, any thoughts on this car, guys? I mean, I obviously really like it. A fun right. fact. Sounds like the first car that I purchased on Gran Turismo Sport was the GI Yaris. That's the first car that I, I acquired there. So I'm just saying that I'm a big fan. And if, if they can bring this uh, a sporty, uh, a GR version of the Corolla over here to the US, I'm all in for that. That'd be fantastic. Mm. And, you, you know, being a Brit, you kind of like these kind of touring cars, uh, 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 rally car. Definitely. Kind of, uh, yeah, yeah, I like I like the smaller car. I mean, I don't think there's any need for, for bigger cars. This is perfect for me, for me. I mean, the four doors make it handy to put stuff in the back uh, yeah. a little easier, but uh, I like it. I'm all in. I, I, I really, re I would do anything to drive that GI Yaris. If I had the same drivetrain in this Corolla, I'd same thing. Want to be all over Both it. Cars? Yeah. And I wonder you know if it's like, ahead, uh, oh, I, I was just wondering if it was, if this car would be competing against like the you know subarus you know the stis or oh i totally you know, think so don't you more of more of those than the you know, than the type r corolla i uh, totally think so but Civic i think type the subaru is gonna yeah but the subaru i think is going to be on another level just because the engine's a lot bigger right and that's a mm -hmm. flat four this one's still an inline three so it might come in lower price yeah uh, yeah but yeah i could yeah and you know toyota owns a lot of subaru right i mean um yeah Subarus all, you know, uh, you know, Toyota owns a lot of shares in Subaru, so I don't know if they want to go cannibalizing each other too much. But but you know, as I just pulled up much, the G. I was going to say, Sam, I just pulled up the GI Yaris there, which just shows what I mean by I think it'd need to have more. It's small. Uh, a, a, well, no, it's more aggressive bodywork than what oh, the okay, Corolla yeah. that you're showing. You know what I mean? How wide yeah. it is there at the front and the back? Oh, I love the rear fender flare. Yeah, but yeah, the bulging fenders. But yeah, and it is small. So, I mean, uh, I would, well, put it this way, James, which car, if you had the choice of both cars, which car would be in your garage? Uh, I'd, hap I'd happily take either, happily take either. I'd, I'd have no, I, mean, I, 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 I say, give me the four door, you know. I'd say, well, I'd say, if I'm looking at the style of what we're predicting this based on that, I prefer the looks of the Yaris because yeah. I think it's a lot more aggressive and I'm a little boy racer at heart. But if I wanted to shock people at the traffic lights and not give up, like my wife, maybe she'd probably want the Corolla. Yeah, but let's just say the Corolla, this, uh, you know, that's a concept drawing. So let's say the Corolla is, is pretty, it's got some flair. You, yeah, I'd, be, I'd, the four, I'd, I'd like the four doors. It, it, gives you, okay. it, gives, it makes it a little easier just to put stuff in the back. Yeah. Carl, you too, probably, right? You have the yeah, I'd go, I'd go for the four door if, yeah. um, oh. you know, if they came out with that thing and it's, what they say, you know, or what you and say is, is what they come out with. We, you know what we should do? See if these guys would like this. We should come with like a, a Ninja Otaku logo or something and come up with shirts, you know? <laughs> People go, whoa, what is that? You know, it'd be good promotion, Carl. Our Ninja Otakus would like it, but we can't, you know, we can't reveal the sources because, you know. No, our next Pod Speed t-shirts will be with the Ninja Otakus on them. Oh, very cool. There we go. That's what you want to say. Very cool. Well, okay. Yeah. All right, so it looks like we're all in agreement that Toyota, this this car will be really cool to have. Out there. Definitely, yeah. definitely. I think thumbs up. Yeah, thumbs up for everyone. 
I put my toes up as well if need be for this one. I'm yeah, all you really, yeah. Well, I, I, we don't see James getting this excited about uh, some, some of these scoops, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm feeling good vibes here. <laughs> that's it that's how everyone should gauge my reactions on, on cars and they should be james likes it we'll bring it to market okay so let's go from staying in the same family let's go from uh james's um price point to my price point we'll go with the uh lexus lcf i'm just joking james you know that. no it's true it's very that's true everyone true. who is listening and watching this it is absolutely a hundred percent true so uh, ever since the LC came out, I mean, and me exactly is when is the F going to come out? Is there going to be an F, you know? And, uh, you know, and then Alexa's never really said anything about it. And they never, they said, ah, no. Uh, so, but I, I, you know, that's natural because they have to sell the, you know, the regular LCs. Um, and to me, it's still one of the coolest coupes out there. And it doesn't get as much love as I thought it would get, you know, it's just, you know, it's just not out there being compared with the Astons and the Maserati. It's a great looking car, you know, I, mean, I, I love the LC. It is. It's one of the great sounding car as well. Let's be yeah. honest. Yeah. yeah. James had it for a week and uh, that's right. The, the bay on the wheel is awesome too. Uh, shut mm -hmm. up. <laughs> <laughs> they put it at the same place. So and that one I did. I want, okay. But anyways, moving on uh, while it's priced on the high end, you know, the LC, uh, it starts at $93,000. Uh, yeah, we do agree that it is one of the prettiest cars in the marketplace. Okay, and um, but but Sam, while it is expensive, it, yes. it's it is value for money. Let's knock around here. Yeah, I mean, it's, when you it's, when you compare it with some of the other cars, just in, the, uh, just in yeah. general, I mean, it's a good-looking yeah. car. I get a lot of value in there. The quality of build is fantastic. It is heavily performance. Well, it's a Lexus, of course. Exactly, the build is going to be fantastic. Exactly. So. Um, yeah, so the thing is, why isn't it getting as much love as it should? That's what we're, you know, we're saying. But, you know, I, I, it's, it's Lexus is still an early, um, uh, you know, uh, not early, but a late arrival into that, you know, that whole um, super luxury sport coupe market. So I think they're just, you know, still trying to kind of uh, establish themselves there. And I think this is a great car to do it. And I, hopefully, you know, they, they'll keep going and produce this car that we see here. Um, which is uh, the LCF. Now, um, the, there's a lot of people get confused that, well, so what's, so what's the F Sport? So an F Sport, there's already, I think I'm, I'm almost positive there's already an LCF Sport out there. But there's an F Sport for, I think, every single Lexus car or Lexus vehicle, including the SUVs. Now, the F Sport is um, only really gets handling and visual enhancements. Uh, handling enhancements and visual enhancements. No real uh, engine mods. Sam, I was just going to mention Go that the, for, for the LC, it's a classy vehicle, so they call that the Signature Series. Oh, okay. So Signature Series. So. Signature Series so is for the, the LC. It's kind of the F, F Sport for yeah. the LC. Correct. Thank yeah. you. No worries. I'll just pull up uh, one of the ones right yes, now. Yes, please. So, yeah. So, anyway, so that's, and, you know, the uh, and there's an F, not not F Sport, but an F version where you get the full-on engine mods on cars like the IS and the RC. So you kind of wonder why not the LC? I mean, this is this car. If any car deserves an F version, and do you guys know what F stands for in Lexus? It means F and fast. Uh, it could, but it's not. Fuji. Yes, exactly. So uh, Toyota and Lexus they own Fuji Speedway. So this is kind of their racy car. So F stands for Fuji. Very good. Very good. But it could stand for F and fast. I think that might, that might be better. Thank so you. Anyways, yeah. 
so anyways, so our ninja otaku say, hey, there is um, um, there is uh, rumblings about an LCF coming out and coming out not that far in the future, maybe as soon as this year. Okay. Um, Very exciting. Yeah. So the LC's power plant, the one you see here that James has put up, uh, the regular LC, even the signature series, comes with a naturally aspirated five liter V8 that produces 471 horsepower. Uh, they also have a hybrid, but we're going to concentrate on the, 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 the big engine, the five liter V8. Um, what we hear is uh, the LCF will get a twin turbocharged, so it won't be naturally aspirated anymore, a twin turbocharged four liter V8 that produces 670 horsepower Ooh. and 480 pound-feet of torque. So that's putting it into the supercar range. Um, yeah. And uh, just as a side note, the LSF, the four-door, you know, the luxury cruiser, mm -hmm. um, that is supposedly going to get an F version too with the same engine. So oh. we're talking like, yeah, a big, uh, it looks like Lexus is saying, okay, we're going after AMG. We're going after the M's. Yeah, that's um, AMG territory there. Yeah. yeah. So that's more than 160 horsepower more, more than the $150,000 Aston Martin Vantage. And it's about the same uh, um, power uh, as the Mercedes-Benz SL65 AMG, which was sold north of 220,000 bucks. And uh, the next, uh, I think the next podcast, we're going to, I'm going to uh, see what I can uh, see if I, what I can get from my Ninja Otakas in Germany about the 2022 uh, SL. I think the, the next one's going to come out on 2022. And they say there, there is some information out there on it already. Uh, the next Mercedes Benz, but uh, this car, we don't know what the price is, but we're hearing it will probably be in the $150,000 range. So when you think about it, it's exactly what James said. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of money, but when you think about this, the horsepower, 670 horsepower, 480 pound-feet of torque, the quality of this car, it kind of a pretty good deal. Yeah? What do you guys think? Agreed. Good bang for buck. Yeah. Yeah. $150,000 is a lot, and we don't know if that's the price. That's the price we're hearing from our uh, otakus, our ninjas, but... Um, do you think they could? Uh, do you think this car would be a very attractive uh, um, entry at that price range, or can they even get more? Do you think, guys? I mean, I think it's an attractive price point there, and I think it's a great idea. I mean, I'm all for it. And I love how this thing looks. I mean, uh, this this of course is another uh, artist rendering, but you know, he did take an L, uh, a, a real LC, and you know. Uh, used his imagination to see um, not just his imagination. He, he we get they get we get feedback from uh, Toyota engineers uh, and designers to see what the uh, what they look like. So we're we're usually pretty close. Also, Sam, I was just going to throw up something else to sort of compare and contrast it again. That's actually Please. you can you can buy from uh, Lexus at this point in time. So this is their current, uh, yeah, and it's their Fuji Speedway edition. Mm, okay. Oh yeah. RCF. Yeah. So as you can see, the styling of there, it's got the carbon roof and the carbon body panels. The wing look very similar. The yes, wheels look very similar. So, I mean, it's... Very good. Very good research there, James. Investigative research. Yeah. Oh, did we lose James? I like it. Yeah. I like it. I, I think it's a great idea, you know, get get Lexus. Uh, it's basically an AMG of, I'm, of Lexus. I'm just... So, yeah. Oh, there's James. So anyways, um, yeah, 
So anyways, I, I'm, I'm hoping that this car will um, um, make it because I think it really puts Lexus, even if it doesn't sell, you know, a million units, it puts them on the map and it, you know, it, it lines them up with uh, Europe's best. And I think that that would be a great, great boost for Japanese, uh, Japanese companies and, you know, Lexus itself. So um, thumbs up for me. I hope they come up with this thing. I hope for the brand. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, I think it's a good move for the brand. I like it. So anyways, yep, I like it too. That's uh, that's all for me. So, uh, and you know, I'm the only one here who consistently has my segment prepared, ready every other week. Who doesn't? Are you saying that about me? Uh, the, uh, uh, not just you. There's another guy. What do you mean? I'm hey. not happy. I was ready last week and someone <laughs> took all the time up so I didn't get to have my piece. <laughs> that's just an excuse. You have all the time in the world. What do you mean? I'm, what do you mean I'm never ready? I mean, I've got my image here ready to go. I don't understand terrible, this, Sam. Terrible, Sam. <laughs> well, I mean, if the image, I mean, you can't even see the car. It's so dark. <laughs> what car uh, is that? What do you mean, what car is this? It's the Mazda 626, uh, six, Mazda 6 uh, Grand Touring. You're still calling it the 626? Yeah, it's because I'm, I'm too many trying. I had so many images. I'm calling it six. There's, oh, there's the second one. These, there. Okay, these images are much, yeah, much better. Wow, it's beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful car. So um, this was the my, yes. my most recent uh, loaner vehicle, which you can read the review up on nobreaking.com. As soon as this airs, we can then uh, get the YouTube video. Then it will be up on gtchannel.com on the blog section there. But uh, I, this was the, the sedan I had from Japan for under sub $40,000. I think it's a very compelling offer. Um, it comes around 250 horsepower when you put the premium gasoline in it for the four-cylinder turbo, which makes it nice. This is a the more expensive carbon edition that they did as their special edition. But one of the things I really like about this car is the interior and how nice it is. I mean, the, the vehicle that I did, the Grand Touring, came in at around 35000 which I think was a very good price point for this car. It's luxurious on the inside side. The only negatives that I'd say, and this seems to be a common trend with me now from some of these cars I'm driving, I just think the tires that it comes with just could have been a little quieter and a little bit more performance-oriented instead of um, run flat all season oriented. I think that it really does a little bit of a dis disservice mm. uh, when it's going for that luxury and you get the, either the wheel spin uh, in first when you're not even going that fast or you're just getting a little, a little bit extra loud, loud road noise coming through the car. Mm. Um, the other thing that I think is one of those things that would be an easy fix for them is the head unit that they're using is still the same one that they used on that they've been using for quite some time. While it is easy to go through and use, it's not quite as updated as it should be for this price point at $35,000. Um, they've got a better unit in the Master 3 that I think, um, oh, really? which could be a good fit here or just a very simple upgrade between the two. And it'd make it a little bit better and a little bit more luxurious. But I mean, if that's, and it's going up against some big hitters here, obviously in this segment, going up against the Honda Accord, the Toyota, uh, Camry so it is going up against some big hitters but it is a, it is master so it is a niche player it feels to me more luxurious than those and maybe a little bit more uh, enjoyable I'd say in driving it around so yeah I mean I, I think it's a very compelling offer in that segment I mean we know that the sedan segment is getting smaller every year with the emergence of people purchasing more SUVs but this is one that I'd certainly recommend if someone's looking for a four-door sedan that's uh, more sizable than they certainly should be looking at the master. Well, I'm going to ask you then, James, um, uh, between the Accord, Camry, and 
uh, the Mazda Six. How would you rank them? Um, the spot here. No, it's quite all right. I think that I the best looking one is the Mazda, okay. by far. Um, mm -hmm. I think the other two have some different options that I, that I'd like to explore, if that makes sense. So obviously the Toyota and the Honda, they come with hybrid power plants where the Mazda does not. So I think that's a little bit more of a feather in their cap. And I think that they are both also the Camry and the Accord are a little bit bigger. But I think with that comes a higher price point too. So if you want to go more luxurious take on the interior of the car at a little bit cheaper price point, but losing a few mile per gallon for efficiency, then the Mazda is the way to go. Mm. How'd you like the infotainment system? Um, I think the Honda one is the best infotainment system of the three. Um, I think that uh, the Toyota one lacks a bit in its, um, I will say, ease of use. It seems a little bit older. And I do think that the Mazda comes in a combination of the two where it's easy to use when you get used to the thumb that you will deal with the, the twisting of the dials and so forth, the change. It's, it's easier than the, the Toyota system, mm. but uh, it's not quite as good as the Honda system. So I think it's, it's a good, compelling player in that market going up against those two, which would say are the big players in that market. Mm. Very good. Very cool. Okay. So, and that's my little pitch on that. Other than that, I'd say that I've obviously, the No Breaking podcast is up and running if I share that to give you there to see the ones that are the, the most latest ones. So we've got uh, the most recent one that Junk Man 356. Oh, he, he, he froze. He froze on Junk Man. <laughs> <laughs> he froze on Junk Man oh, 356. These are his guests. We can't yes. hear James. There you are. I still got my back back again. Oh my You're word. Back. What's happened with the internet? So Myron is based out of Ohio. I've been, he's one of my white whales I've been trying to get in the show for a very long time. He is also a very enthusiastic collector of Japanese vehicles. Mm. Okay. Cool. Did we lose him again? He, he froze again. Killing there. me. There, it's killing me small. I'm sorry about this. <laughs> Your, the internet is uh, not cooperating in Hollywood. I know. Either. It's not, it's not. So as I come back to it, so Myron is a very big fan of JDM vehicles. Okay. So he has got a collection of them here in the US. In hey, fact, he's got- Models Am. Yeah. Mm, uh, wow. this, is, this is one of the ones, this is my, I think this is probably my favorite car that he owns, his yeah, Sylvia. Cool. Oh, the Sylvia, yeah. Very cool. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah. Oh, that one looks like right out, right from the uh, Peterson Museum. Don't tell me it was. It was. Oh, it was, okay. <laughs> And then this this week's guest that dropped today is Hansel from Lean Customs. So we talk about his career in the pin game and regards his artistic time and what it takes oh, to make pins cool. and so forth. So, yeah. Very cool. interesting. We will be downloading it uh, where podcasts are downloaded, correct? Everywhere you want. Everywhere you think podcasts, you can find it there. Awesome. Everywhere we cool. go. Check okay. it out. Taro, what do you got for us? So um, GT Channel, today we released a uh, video. Visit gtchannel.com. Um, so Spoon redid the EK9. Um, just like- um, Is it the Built by Legend? 
It's not the built by legend. Okay. Yeah, I was just about to say it's not the built by legend one, but it's kind of the you know the 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 legendary spoon EK9 that we've all seen in best motoring and hot version and stuff mm -hmm. like that. They just updated it um, with some you know modern modern technology. Mm -hmm. So um, they have a kind of a new uh, design uh, you know theme with the with the red and silver uh, gold lines on, mm -hmm. on the side. Um, carbon fiber, you know, um, engine, you know, power is not upgraded, but uh, the response definitely is um, just by, you know, all of their uh, balancing um, all the, uh, the engine parts and stuff like that. And uh, our man, uh, Captain Bradford, he uh, went and drove this thing. So um, you guys go, go check out the video on, uh, on gdchannel.com. Sam, have you ever driven a spoon um, like road car? Not the race car. I know you've, no, you've raced the, it. Yeah, I only just the race cars. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. like, Kate, she, she is always like, you know, spoon. Um, whenever he drives the cars on track, he says they're, they're like too stiff. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of times he says that. And they've been, uh, this one they said is, is not as stiff just because they've um, kind of uh, tuned it that way uh, mm -hmm. because this is a street vehicle and not a, not a, uh, not a track, not a track mm -hmm. car. Um, the exhaust is also not like the spoon racing exhaust as well. It's the uh, the street one. So it, like the spoon light. The spoon light. Yeah, diet spoon. You know, Coca Cola light or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, he didn't go all out on this, huh? This is pretty much for the mature driver, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not you know, it's you know, it's still an EK nine, but right. I, I think. Um, you know, when, um, when we were, I don't know if I mentioned this on the show, but we, we interviewed a, a shop from Japan and they were, this guy was telling us that like these EK nines are like too expensive for like kids to, to buy oh, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, so, you know, you, these are all like boy racer, like they're got guys that grew up now, you know, they're in their forties and sometimes in their fifties and they're going back and buying the cars that they, you know, grew up with. Um, and, the prices are just, you know, going up and mm. they don't even race these cars anymore because it's just too expensive. The parts are expensive. The cars itself are expensive. So they're buying newer cars to go out and race. You know, they're buying like Toyota 86s and like, you know, the roadsters are still around, but you know, they're buying newer cars to actually go racing. And so this is a street car. This is a uh, spoons, uh, demo car, but uh, you know, you can buy all the parts. Uh, they're also doing like um, complete, uh, rebuilds so you can send a car to spoon and actually they'll build it for you uh renovate everything and uh and give it back to you all all like brand new mm, okay cool kind of like the uh yeah kind, kind of being the singer of hondas you know yeah you know yeah. <laughs> matt 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 doesn't like the singer of so-and-so you know the, yeah. the the term but you know they've been doing that forever right i mean they didn't take matt likes <laughs> I, I just think they're going to be the spoons of, of Hondas. That's what they're going to be. <laughs> the spoon of Porsches. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So th that's on GD Channel. Go check it out. It's uh, on gdchannel.com. Uh, everyone go visit. Awesome. Okay. So that brings us to an end of Podcast 37, guys. Uh, another really good one, I thought, in the books. So it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good uh, catching up with Indy Roger. racing. Yeah. Not. Not All winners, drift. no fillers. That's what we do. Exactly. We cover everything here. Just drift, not just drifting, not just, you know, road racing. Today, a little bit of oval. So 
uh, hopefully uh, our uh, listeners are, um, well, we know our listeners are pretty well-rounded too, so. Okay, so guys, um, all right, James, No Breaking Podcast, everyone check it out. Oh, also I was going to say, before I leave, we're going to be a special guest coming on the No Breaking Podcast to talk all about the Dale. So you've been watching that HBO TV show, hopefully. Yeah, I gotta watch that. Oh, the Dale, yes, yes. yes. So we'll get, but uh, yeah, I got uh, that's high on my list. Yeah, we'll do that because he's going to be coming on the show next week, and we'll be going up have a special all about the Dale on the No Breaking Podcast shortly. Oh, that's awesome! Great idea. Okay, so um, everyone, don't if you watch it, HBO Max, uh, big special on the Dale. what was it called? The Dale and the Pretty Woman or something like that? The Lady and the Dale. The Lady and the Dale. Oh, Lady yeah. and the Dale or something. Okay. And then uh, James will have insights to that. Um, uh, with that. When did you say that? Next week? Uh, it should be the week after. So I'll be recording it, okay. recording it next week and we'll go on the week after. Okay. Look out for cool. that. Uh, always look out for great videos from Japan and everywhere from GT Channel and Tarakoki. And uh, me, I'm just kind of, I'm just waiting for... Uh, counting, counting his money, counting his money. That's it. Counting his, counting his money on the golf course. Counting his money on the on the boat. Counting his money on his his properties in Hawaii. Counting his money wherever he goes. Sam, it just falls out of Sam's pockets. Okay. So, anyways, we'll see you guys in a couple weeks. Hot speed, everybody. See you guys. Bye.